You're listening to the St. Mark's Podcast for January 1st, 2023, the Feast of the Holy Name. Today's sermon was given by the Reverend Dr. Justin Crisp. It's based on Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. Grace to you and to all those of you who are joining us online and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And happy low-key New Year, which is my new favorite way to greet people. Uh, It's also my new favorite headline in this weekend's New York Times. Happy low-key New Year. It's the headline of an article that begins by describing a TikTok that's gone viral in the last week uh, by a woman named Erin Monroe from upstate New York. Erin Monroe is dressed in a pink fuzzy robe, so you know it's going to be good, and she's holding her head in her hands. She has a coffee cup, well used, next to her. And apparently, she'd been seeing social media posts like, New Year, New You, or Let's Make 2023 the Best Year Ever type things. And she's had it. She felt the need to throw a wet towel on the whole thing. Here's what she said. I think we need to set some expectations. I don't need 2023 to be my year. I need it to not be a soul-sucking drag through earthly purgatory. I need 2023 to come in, sit down, shut up, and not touch anything. I need a palate cleanser year. A sensory deprivation year. I need 365 days of no... I can't say that word in church, but you get the picture. This woman is the voice of our age, right? If you woke up this morning a little hungover from 2022, and I don't just mean last night, or if your body boycotted the advent of 2023 altogether by falling asleep accidentally at 9.30, I feel you. Aaron Monroe feels you. Loads of people feel you. You are not alone. You just need 2023 to come in, sit down, shut up, and not touch anything. Especially if 2023 is just getting over, like everyone else you know, including your priest, the worst cold they've ever had. Google it. It's an actual thing. The worst cold you've ever had. Not COVID. The ambivalence with which so many of us have greeted 2023, and it's a real ambivalence. The American Psychiatric Association reported that 55% of Americans say that one of their greatest sources of stress is the uncertainty of 2023. The ambivalence with which we are greeting this new year reminds me of how strange I find a peculiar part of modern American culture is that so many of these same people who are so concerned about 2023 say that they believe in something they call a higher power, but which is not the God of any particular religious tradition. If a 2017 Pew Research poll is right, some 90% of those aforementioned stressed out Americans believe in some kind of higher power, but only 56% of them believe that that higher power is the God of any particular scripture, such as the Bible. This means a full third of Americans believe in a higher power who is not the God of any particular religious tradition and not the God of Jesus 
Christ, certainly. At one level, this does make a kind of sense, right? Um, a higher power, perhaps some spiritual force which permeates the universe, perhaps a primal first cause responsible for bringing the world into being. Perhaps these ideas of a kind of force or a first cause are more readily convincing than the supernatural claims made by particular religious traditions, Christianity included. Perhaps believing in a higher power is easier intellectually than believing in things like the virgin birth, sin and forgiveness, miracles, Jesus' resurrection, and so on, all of those things which we find in the scriptures. Those are just intellectual bridges too far for modern people. That may well be so. In that sense, the fact that a third of Americans believe in a higher power but don't believe that higher power is the god of any particular religion, including Christianity, that, that makes some sense to me. What doesn't make sense to me is that um, they would find that idea to be consoling or helpful or useful. It's never followed for me that such a higher power would be worth believing in or that I could depend on that higher power to love me, help me, guide me, or support me. If you think the world is the result of a higher power, and then you look at that world, the world of everything that inspired my favorite new hashtag, don't suck 2023. If you think about that God who made that world, the report's not that great. I mean, it seems this higher power is either good but impotent or just not very good at all. I mean, nothing gets out of this world alive. Not even the butterflies. Everything dies. Seems to me, this higher power, if it's just responsible for creating the world, this higher power is a serial killer. Nothing gets out alive. No creature is going to get out of this place alive. It all being one fairly elaborate gas chamber. That's not a consoling idea. How do I know this higher power loves me? Is that a I, No way. Now, of course, the third of Americans who believe in this abstract higher power, they don't believe in God the serial killer. Okay, I know these people don't believe in God the serial killer. They believe rather in some kind of a spiritual being that is benevolent. A spiritual being which is kindly disposed to them. Which is perhaps guiding their lives in some meaningful way. A being who, if not absolutely on their side, so to speak, at least is not out to get them. But my question to them has always been, how do you know that? If you don't have the scriptures, if you don't have a particular religious tradition, how do you know? See, I think that people who believe in this higher power, who is benevolent, they are haunted by Christianity even while they disavow it. Their God has a Christian shape, even though they say, they don't believe all of the Christian mumbo-jumbo. Because Christians say that God is a God of love. And we have an answer to the question, how do you know? 
The answer is Christmas. The answer is Jesus. The answer is that God became a human being in Jesus of Nazareth and thus revealed who God is, what kind of God God is, what it means for God to be God in and through this particular human being, in and through what this actual man did, suffered, experienced, and said. It's because Christians believe that Jesus is God that we believe that God is a God of love. That God is a God of love follows from claims about Jesus, not the other way around. Otherwise, you just get God the serial killer. We believe that God loves the world, that God loves every last one of us in much the same way as a shepherd might abandon 99 sheep out of love for just the one who has gotten lost. We believe that God does not endlessly belittle us for our wrongdoing and shortcomings, but rather rejoices with abandon at our return to him, much like a father might rejoice over the return of a son who has gone into the far country. We believe these things about God because Jesus told us that they were so. That's why we believe them. And Jesus can speak with some authority about them because, well, Jesus is talking about himself because he's God. We believe that God loves little kids and food and good wine and dinner parties and quiet because Jesus did. For Christians past, the feast which we are celebrating this morning and every New Year's Day, the Feast of the Holy Name or the Circumcision, which Father Peter spoke about at the beginning of our service, it underlined all of this all that I've been speaking about. The feast of the Holy Name or the circumcision showed Christians that Jesus of Nazareth was God cut down to size, so to speak. No pun intended. God was abbreviated, as St. Benedict said. God abbreviated. The legislator was subject to his own decrees, said Cyril of Alexandria. The eternal word not able to speak a word, Lancelot Andrews. Immensity cloistered, John Donne. Infinity dwindled to infancy, Gerard Manley Hopkins. Or as I read recently by Pete Grieg, omnipotence surrendered to incontinence. This is the meaning of Christmas, that God made himself one of us, and by this made himself known to us. This is how we know that the power responsible for the universe is on our side, is not out to get us, and has moreover, by his death and resurrection, conquered anything and everything that might possibly keep us from life. Christians are as Karl Barth once put it, like chess masters who know that the game is won, even though there are a few moves yet to play, or like soldiers who know that the war is over and won, even though there's still skirmishes happening on a couple of fronts because the news has not reached the front. We are people of a fundamental, even supernatural cheerfulness because our God is a known quantity and because his victory is a sure thing.
and we can greet even 2023, even 2023, no matter how we might feel about it, with that same cheer. Because we know that whatever it will bring us, whether it's our best year ever, or our worst, or something in between, God has been there, God gets it, and God will be there for us. Now, whatever it is, God will be quick to save and to bless and to take care of us. We can know this with certainty because the God of 2023 has a name, and that name is Jesus of Nazareth. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You can find more sermons on our website, www.stmarksnewcanaan.org.